Um, I'll be reading Luke 14, verses 1, 7 through 14. You can find it on page 59 in your pew Bibles from the New Testament. On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. When he noticed how the guest chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you're invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. Then the host who invited both of you may come up to you and say, give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you're invited, go and sit at the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, in case they may invite you in return, and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed, because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Have you ever realized that you are in the wrong place? You may be thinking that this morning. I don't know. If you've ever been a freshman on the first day of school then you know what it's like to feel like you're in the wrong place. If you've lived in the world that existed before GPS, then you know what it is like to be lost. If you've ever been to a traditional church with traditional pews and traditional people, you know what it is like to sit in the wrong place. I don't know if that happens here, but I do hear some stories. But we... We know that it is so easy for us to get lost and to, to lose our way and to end up in places that we're really not sure about. There is a right place for us to be in as followers of Jesus. How is it that we are to know where we are to be as Christians? How is it that we are to know that we are doing what God wants us to do and that we're doing it when he wants us to do it? Well, one way to know about being in the right place is seeing if it is a place of humility. And this is what Jesus did one day when he arrived at a Pharisee's house. And if you'll look back there in your gospel text, uh, if you don't have a Bible, there's one uh, right there in front of you. As I tell our Visions of Hope uh, group on Tuesdays, uh, everybody has to turn to the Bible because everybody has one. There's one right there in front of you. Uh, and we've been walking through this Gospel of Luke, and we've been seeing Jesus as he tells the stories and as he interacts with people. And so we are invited, as we were in our prayer of illumination, to find ourselves in the story, to hear what God has to say to us. So Luke mentions that the man and uh, the other Pharisees that were at this meal were watching him closely. That's something that Luke points out to us. But Jesus, as Luke describes, is watching them closely too. 
And as he watches, he observes how they and the other guests chose their seats and the power play that was going on about where people were going to sit and who was going to sit at the places of honor. And not one to let such an opportunity pass him by, Jesus uses this opportunity to address their lack of humility with a parable. And in the parable, Jesus describes this scenario of attending a wedding banquet and how uh, it is wise to find the lowest place uh, in that room as you walk in. Instead of going to the place of honor, that you would go to the lowest place. And of course, they would not have been sitting at tables like we have them. Uh, They would have been sitting uh, on pillows or couches around tables. A lot of times they are described as reclining, much as we find at the uh, Last Supper, where it says that Jesus and the disciples, they were reclining at the table. I always think about uh, a recliner, and Jesus with his remote uh, <laughs> probably didn't happen. But as, as they were there, Jesus was uh, with them, and they reclined. And so Jesus is describing this situation about this wedding banquet where it would have been normal for them to sit and to recline. And so the table in the center of the room was the table of honor, which is where everyone wanted to sit. And so Jesus speaks to them uh, with wisdom, that it would be better to be invited up to the table than to be dishonored and ask to leave your seat and to make room for someone else. You can see in this particular um, image that's here, off to the right, you see them um, lifting someone out of their seat and moving them out. And I'm not sure what they're dumping, them, what, dumping him into, but uh, obviously he did not want to give up his seat. He was in the wrong seat. And so there he goes. In case they were still not getting the point, he says, For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Some of the guests may still have had trouble seeing how they had just been called out on their arrogance. You know, we never do like to be called out, do we? Uh, And we always think it's somebody else. It can't be me that Jesus is talking to. It's got to be somebody else. We may have trouble with this as well. And we are people just like they were, people who struggle with selfishness, with self-exaltation, with a natural desire to have a sense of place, and with a desire to be recognized and honored by others for what we do. We all want that. And sometimes we seek out that recognition more than at other times. Sometimes we are not our best selves, and we hurt ourselves by dishonoring and going to the wrong place. But surely we would have been caught if we had been there, jockeying for the best seats just like they were. Like them, though, we are called to a better way of life. We are given the pathway of wisdom by Jesus who walks on ahead of us on this pathway. And this is Jesus sharing wisdom. It is the narrow pathway one that is much less traveled than the other one that we always see as we journey. 
you're always presented with two different pathways. And as Jesus would describe in another area, uh, in, in another gospel, there is the broad way that is very easy and, and it looks fun and, and like it would be a great place to be. But then there is also the narrow way that is never downhill, is it? It's always uphill. It is always this way of being uh, less traveled. And it is a way of descent, leading us to less comfortable and unrecognized places in our world. It is at times a pathway that is lonely and quiet. And this pathway of humility is one with travelers who are often overlooked and unseen. It is not the pathway of the presidential election. Uh, You cannot run for president and be a person of humility. Uh, And we have two candidates who uh, would both tend to be on the narcissist side, one much more than the other, but you really can't run for president uh, without exalting yourself at least a little bit. But the way Christ has called for us to live is the way of humility. And this is the way of Jesus. Another way of knowing if we are in the right place is if it is a place that is characterized by selflessness. Selflessness can go along with humility, but it isn't required to do so. God, however, requires selflessness. You could look at someone and say, well, that's such an humble person. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that person is living selflessly and giving their life away as Christ did. The religious leaders who were striving for seats of honor at the luncheon that Jesus attended, they didn't appear to have any selflessness. They were looking out for themselves, not each other. They certainly were not looking out for the people who weren't even invited to the luncheon. Jesus told them, that those who exalt themselves will be humbled like the dinner guest who was humiliated and uh, moved out from his seat, knowing they were watching him to judge his every move and his actions. Jesus warns them that their actions are being watched as well. What does this place of selflessness look like for us? If anything, it is motion, right? It is activity. It is something that we are doing. It is not a pious posture that we take when we come to church on a Sunday. It is not trying to impress other people with our spirituality. Rather, it is being in motion and working for God. Being selfless requires action. And selflessness is outwardly moving. It is incomplete unless it is for the benefit of someone else. If no one is receiving that selflessness, then we have to wonder if it actually is selfless. We are most alive and we are most like God intended for us to be when we practice the self-giving, the self-emptying ministry that Jesus lived out every day. Living selflessly in our relationships means that we will be intentionally aware of the needs of the other person and that we will be deliberate about meeting her 
or his needs above our own. One thing I always notice in relationships and marriages is trouble always tends to develop around expectations about needs. And so if I'm ever bringing people together to be married uh, in, in premarital counseling, I talk about understanding your partner's needs. What are they? And I'll ask them to list, what do you think her top five needs are? And what do you think his top five needs are? And you know what? They're always wrong. And people will tell me, oh, we we know each other so well. I always like it when they tell me that they don't ever fight. We, We get along really well. We don't fight. And I always say, well, then you don't need to be married to one another because you're not living in a world of reality. But we need to understand what our needs are, and we need to be deliberate about honoring those needs above our own. Living selflessly in our church means that we will serve each other right here in our church, giving of our time to each other in conversation. By the way, conversation goes beyond, hey, how are you? How is your week? Uh, It goes much deeper than that. That's what God intends for us to do, is to engage one another in conversation and in fellowship. Not just topical conversation, but spiritual conversation that we might be able to, to have as we go through the week. Whether it's by phone or social media or meeting together for lunch. It is providing genuine concern, offering our gifts and being present for one another in a time of need. Living selflessly means not taking the last swallow of milk. How many of you did that today? Not drinking the last cup of coffee without making more. Not doing something for someone just in order to be recognized. Not dropping a name when you know that you could. It's when you pay your fair share of the taxes, when you give credit, when you know that you could be taking it, when you rejoice when others are promoted and you aren't. Selflessness is when you serve in the nursery and change diapers so that the moms and dads can have a break for worship. A few amens there. It's when you take your grandkids so that your children can have a date and maybe a chance to make more grandchildren. (laughs) Being selfless is passing the ball so that someone else can make the goal. It is serving the needs of our neighborhood in ways that actually benefit our neighbors, not our church, not ourselves, but partnering with them in developing a healthy place to live and to work. Humility, selflessness, blessing. These words don't seem to fit together. One is not like the others, at least it seems. Blessing just doesn't seem compatible with humility and selflessness. And maybe that's why the world is so self-serving. 
What difference would it make, though, to know that the humble and the selfless are the ones who are really blessed? And that's what Jesus said would happen. He said it would happen to whoever humbled himself. Whoever takes a lower seat will be given a higher one. The people who know and live in their place of humility will be exalted. In addition to telling the parable, Jesus gave the host some advice. So you can just kind of see Jesus pulling the host off to the side, probably said, thanks for the lunch, thanks for inviting me, but let me give you some advice. He told him to invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind the next time that he had a luncheon. He just says, you might try this next time. I mean, you you invited a bunch of important people. But what about the people that you didn't invite? Hosting a dinner may be a show of hospitality, but inviting all of the people who live in the margins of life and who never get invited anywhere is an act of selflessness. Hosting a dinner for the elite and popular may bring favorable recognition, Inviting and serving the people who could never, ever repay you would bring true reward. Here again, as we've seen throughout Luke's gospel, Jesus speaks up for the poor and for the powerless, for the forgotten, for the unclean and the uninvited. In doing so, he makes clear how God values them. That's a special characteristic we find all throughout Luke. Luke must have loved poor people and people who are excluded after seeing how Jesus did it. And so he reports and records and gives account of how this took place so that the church and the people he was writing to would do the very same. What Jesus also makes clear here is how God rewards us when we value those people more than we value ourselves. If you want to move up, then move down. If you want to sit in honor, stand at the back. If you want to be recognized, disappear. The way of exaltation in God's kingdom is a reversal. For those who move down, they will be moved up. For those who stand at the back, they will sit at the front. For those who disappear, they will be recognized. Lest you think the pursuit of such reward is just another form of self-exaltation, realize that what God awards to you for your sacrifice is still nothing that you want to keep for yourself. So what place are you in this morning? I mean, there's your seating guide. Jesus makes it clear and simple. And now we are invited to find our seat. Let us pray.